from the Brainswell Media Studios. This is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hello, friends. You have found it. This is the Sales Training World podcast for the month of March 2018. Holy cow, we're already going to be rolling into second quarter here pretty quick. And uh, so far, so good. Not a bad year in sales for me and uh, for some other folks that I'm working with. Those that I'm coaching right now reporting a lot of good things. So whether you're selling software or you're selling media or you're selling automotive or medical healthcare type sales, uh, we talk about it here, here on the Sales Training World podcast each and every month. Hey, I've got a special treat for you. Uh, this month, Clay Sander is joining us. If you've never met Clay before, he's a 20-year comedy veteran as well as a parallel career in sales as well. So he's been selling everything from copiers to telecom on the rough and tumble streets of Chicago, Illinois. So Clay will be here in just a couple of minutes. And of course, later on in the podcast, Clay's going to join us as we talk about and uh, our listener questions. We've got three questions sent in by listeners. By the way, um, feel free to send those over. Ryan at RyanDorn.com is the email address. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. All right, before we get uh, too much further into the podcast, a big shout out to our friends at Open Look Business Solutions. Open-Look.com is the website. Open Look is an outsourcing company that helps you do a lot of the heavy lifting as a part of the sales process that, gosh, we know takes so much time. It could be customer service. It could be data collection. It could be scrubbing data. It could be outbound sales calls. It could be qualifying sales as well. Mike, and Brad and Kevin and the team at Open Look Business Solutions would love to be your choice for outsourcing. Great guys out of Dallas, Texas. Reach out to them, open-look.com. If you've got some of those sales tasks that you just don't want to do anymore, <laughs> quite honestly, and you don't have time for it, push it off over to the fine folks at Open Look Business Solutions. And friends, don't forget, in case you missed it, we started the Ad Sales Nation podcast uh, back in December for those of you in the sales business. But if you're more focused on media, that's where Ad Sales Nation comes into play. Uh, those of you that know me well know that I spent a ton of time and still continue to spend time in the media business. I still sell software, work for manufacturers as well, uh, but I've got a deep passion for the media sales business, and that's where the Ad Sales Nation podcast came about. So search for that on iTunes. But here, the world of sales is what we talk about each and every month, and I'm so thrilled. We've got 75,000 listeners strong here of the Sales Training World podcast. All right, friends, let's kick things off with my friend Clay Sander, who's joining us from the Windy City, Chicago, Illinois. For those of you that don't know, I spent a great deal of my adult life, college life in Chicago, so I'm big Cubs and uh, Cubs fans. Easier to be a Cubs fan these days, uh, Clay, and uh, a Bears fan uh, as well. It's been a little bit harder to be a Bears fan uh, over the years. So, Clay, maybe you could start off um, by telling folks a little bit about your, um, your career, your career in terms of sales and comedy. My background is I kind of have parallel careers. Uh, I have over 20 plus years of, uh, of sales experience, some in the office equipment industry and some in the telecom industry and uh, some other business ventures. And then at the, on the other side, I've been doing comedy for 
the same amount of time. So sketch comedy, which is, for those who don't know the different sketch and improv or different sketches, written, uh, pre-written sketch, like skits you would see on Saturday Night Live, and improv is spontaneous, on the mm-hmm. spot, made up. And so I've uh, had a parallel career in that regard. I, I've worked with uh, uh, Second City Improv Olympic, uh, which is sort of the sister to Second City uh, Comedy Sports. I have my own troops and my own groups uh, as well. So that's sort of the the bird's eye view of my parallel careers, but it's been sales and improv going on at the same time. And uh, they mesh pretty well when it, they kind of uh, complement each other very well, actually. That makes sense. So in a training situation, when we have the opportunity to get in front of a group uh, from a training perspective, we like to give people core <laughs> skills, but tell folks a little bit about, you know, what could they expect if you're going to go through a training that has improv comedy as a, as a part of the training process? What does it kind of look like? Sure. I would, I would say more improv and less comedy. And the reason I say that is people sort of get intimidated by the word improv comedy. They think, uh-huh. oh, my God, I got to be I got to be funny. I got to right. I got to be I'm in front of people. I got to be a comedian. And that's that's not what we God. that's not what we're going to do. What we would do is do improv skills and what improv teaches you is the, some important some important traits and some important fundamentals that help you in sales. And one of them is that when you're on stage with somebody, when you're in a scene with someone, you want to make the other person look good. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the axiom of improv, in that in the scene, if you are out there for yourself to make yourself look good, to be the funniest one in the room or the, the one with the spotlight, ah. the scene suffers and the team suffers. Right on. Same thing happens in, in, in sales. And so we have exercises that um, promote the yes and, the agreeing to agree, the agreeing to disagree, to move things forward and to be clear on what we're doing. It doesn't necessarily have to be funny, but if it's a clear uh, who, what, where, when, we know what's going on, people will be interested. So that's one aspect of it. Um, The other is, and you know this from sales, uh, and I think everybody out there would know this, whoever tells the best story gets the deal, right? Right on. And 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 one of the things that we teach is some storytelling techniques, which are, which focus on specifics. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, I don't, the story has to be true. Number one, right? <laughs> you can't you can't tell like I did back in my early copier days when I told the customer I had a copier. This person, I had another client with the same copier, and that client did not, and they called that client to get a reference. Right. Not a good move. Right. Um, so learn that one hand slapped, you know, days over. But um, when you uh, tell a story, it's it's as simple as being a little more detailed. If you say mm-hmm. uh, my car, uh, my car is in the shop. OK, that's one way to tell it. Or you can say my brand new 2018 Ford Explorer uh, hit a bridge embankment on I-88. Mm-hmm. It's a little more compelling. It's right. a little different. And it sticks it sticks with the uh, that's a very morbid example. But um, the um, it sticks with the customer, uh, it sticks with the client. That so those sense. are some those are a couple of things to expect. There's some techniques that we teach in that. And then uh, listening um, right. would be the now that every sales training, I would imagine even mm-hmm. It talks about listening because right. it's a key component. Right. And so there are some techniques we teach that improve, to give you some tools on how to listen and to retain uh, what you're what you're hearing. So those are three kind of axioms that we we have games and and techniques and and uh, fundamentals that we teach uh, when we do a 
when we do a session. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, one of the things that um, I'm a big, big fan of is storytelling and really understanding that every story has to have a point, um, or at least it should have a point. If you get to the end of a joke and you say something like, um, well, I guess you had to be there. Well, <laughs> that was not a very yeah. good, not a very good joke <laughs> or not a very good story. <laughs> right, 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 and so I, I agree with you. A lot of sales is a storytelling, especially success stories. Um, I was in Fort Worth, Texas yesterday at uh, Billy Bob's teaching a, a group. And um, by the way, very cool venue to have a sales training. Um, Heck if yeah. If you're in the Dallas Fort Worth area, I would actually side note sidebar for a brief moment here. It was actually really weird. So I, I go up to the VIP entrance um, to walk in, which is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird for me anyway. And um, and there is a, a pretty famous, uh, actually not a pretty famous, a real famous uh, former rodeo announcer host, uh, Pam Minnick, that was standing there uh, that welcomed me into Billy Bob's. And I walked in, I realized through these doors and down these steps had Garth Brooks, Reba, uh, you know, yeah. Clay Walker, Alan Jackson, all these people. And I thought, this is kind of weird. You know, I'm even here. Then we get into the uh, the training piece of it um, as it relates to, uh, to storytelling. And we get into the training piece of this. And I realized that a lot of people can't tell a story. A lot of people just don't understand that st- stories need a beginning, a middle, and an end. They need a point. And success stories are everything in sales because – People are adverse to change. They're adverse to risk. And stories help them with all of those things in the sales process. So now right. when you're, you're doing some exercises with folks, um, what can they kind of expect? Is it, is it, are they expecting what they might see on the show? Whose line is it anyways? Is it like that or is it really not like that? It's, well, there are some games that we do play that, that have been, uh, that are on that program, but keep in mind with that show it's four people and usually it's two at a time and these people uh and it's edited Ah, okay (laughs) they do a two-hour session they edit it down to 23 minutes so yeah there's a lot of fat that they trim on that so that's one thing so don't be intimidated by that but there are some fun games like that 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 we can do uh one is one word story things like that so you listen to the person before you you try to uh you don't anticipate where the story is going you just sort of develop it as a team that's a game they play on uh, on that uh, that show that we also uh, do uh, but as far as scenic games um, there are some there are some fun ones we also do one where we come up with a, a product and an ad slogan and an advertisement mm-hmm. uh, for a made-up product and that tends to be really fun but what it does is it it cultivates some teamwork so if you're on a for instance, if you're in a, in a company that has a sales department, a support department, a customer service department, different departments that need to talk to each other and need to communicate, that's one of those great uh, exercises you can do. Even within sales teams, it's a way to communicate better with each other and work together. It's, it's what they call team building. It's what we call team building. Sure. So, yeah, that that's, that's the type of stuff we can do. Then there's also just simple um, connection games, as I call them, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is... It is you connect with the person across from you. You connect in different ways. And I, it's hard to explain through you just sort of, sort of talk through it. But there are some things that I really believe are never I always whenever I do these, everybody thinks the task is impossible. Mm-hmm. They think there's no way we're going to do this pattern game. There's mm-hmm. no way we're going to concentrate <laughs> long enough to be, make this happen. And after every single session, they're laughing. They did it. They can't believe they just did it. And it's, it's sort of tapping into 
your confidence, your ability to concentrate, you will get it. And we get there and it's a, it's a blast. So, um, that's a kind of a vague, it's kind of vague, but it is one of those things where every time it's, oh my gosh, how do you guys do improv? How do you think of, oh my God, I can't do, I could never do that. And by the end of the session, I think people are thinking they're going to go on the second city stage, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it is a lot of fun and, uh, it, and they do learn some, some skills and they, they learn some tools that they can, that they can use. And another thing, Ryan, on the storytelling aspect, just to, you triggered a thought there. And one thing we do teach is, um, the thing to take away, the one thing you want them to take away from your story. Sure. And I, you, I, I know you talk about this too. You have to have, what is, why, why are you telling the story? What is it you want them to take away? And we, we talk about that as well. And, uh, we, we do some, we do some exercises with that, um, as a team and individually. So, just wanted to put that out there. No, too. that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, what's interesting for any sales managers um, or ad directors or whatever that are listening to the, the show today, it's important to understand that a lot of times it's difficult for us to communicate how your team is actually going to respond. I have a lot of times I'll give a topic to a manager in advance of a training session. They'll say, oh, I don't know that this is going to hit the, hit the mark. And it's, it's hard for us sometimes to explain until you're in the moment. And I, I'm not one of those people that's live in the now or, you know, I'm not trying to be philosophical mm -hmm. about it. What I'm trying to say is it's just difficult sometimes for a manager to really understand how training uh, will go. We've just seen it work so many times uh, very, very well. Uh, yesterday, um, the example that I was giving, you know, at Billy Bob's objection handling. What a lot of times I'll do is everybody in the group writes down one major objection they've heard in the last 30, 60, 90 days. Then they work together as a group to solve the objection. One person stands up, the spokesperson, and then gives the, uh, you know, gives the answer to the objection. And at face value, some managers, they just, they say they don't like role playing. They're not going to do this. They're not going to embrace it. It's all about how you present it. I start out by making them, you know, come up with a team name. Uh, the funnier, the better. Bonus points for creativity. Um, and what, what happens is all of a sudden this competitive spirit starts flying in the room and people realize, man, okay, I've got to be better than them and I've got to be better than them. Right. At the end, no, even I think I'm pretty entertaining, but at the end, people <laughs> always say, I liked the objection game better than anything else. That, That's you know, beautiful. I, the one thing I really love about what we're talking about is I really feel like when sales professionals begin to embrace these basics of improv, they start thinking at a higher level. And when we are constantly striving to be the very best we can be, I'm always looking, how can I think at a higher level? Because we are selling in very, very competitive times. There's very few products that don't have at least a head-to-head -head competitor. We all know that price becomes the deciding factor when two things uh, you know, seem the same. And these types of conversations with clients can, that we're talking about now can be your differentiating factor. And as salespeople, we always need to have a differentiating factor. And your ability to have a non-standard, if you will, quote-unquote, conversation with your, with your prospect in my opinion, is, real, is really, really important. Now, we can facilitate this, and we want to come to your office and to your company and facilitate this, some of you because of, you know, for budget reasons, and you want to try to do it yourself. So, Clay, I wonder if we could walk through maybe just a couple of ideas, uh, you know, for these folks. One of the things, uh, what they can do on their own, uh, one of the things we already mentioned is, uh, you know, creating games. But I would say, um, you know, folks, if you're going to create games, you want to carefully think about, you know, is, is it a game that needs to be won? Because that's not always uh, having a winner 
and having a competition is not always the best <laughs> when you're when you're dealing yeah. with salespeople. So if you do create quote unquote games, they don't always have to have a winner. But Clay, what else? I mean, could they be doing on their own if they don't want to bring in a professional facilitator? Sure. Here's here's just a couple of things off the top of my head. One would be, and this is very, this is an improv based uh, fundamental. Many times in a in a comedy scene, when someone offers uh, a line or they offer the start of the scene many times most people go to the first thought they have and they blurt that out okay the secret to improv the secret to great improv especially comedy is don't go with your first instinct what's the instinct behind it what's the second you talk about higher level thinking Mm -hmm. so instead of uh, so one exercise might be um okay uh you, you you ask you ask a client a question um i guess you would do this in role playing you know, you say something like, so how much do you spend on uh, telecom per month, right? You, you ask that question to somebody and the client gives you the answer back. Well, we spend $3,000 a month. Now, your many salespeople's first reaction is going to be, oh, well, we'll, we'll, be, we'll cut your costs. We'll cut your costs. Well, we, I know we can come in lower than that. Instead of saying that, the second thought might be, I can actually get, I can actually get you the same and get you more value talk right. about value mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so so things like that so instead of what's your fir- maybe at, do a role play where the person says what's your first thought and this have the sales rep say here's my first thought okay now let's go one beyond so we call it one beyond nice. you say your first thought and then what's beyond that and maybe that's the second thing you say is the thing that really hits home and actually might give them something else to think about other than oh great we're cutting costs off we go yeah so sales scenarios one beyond the other um the other one I was just talking about. This is a fun game. You take a deck of cards, okay, mm-hmm. and you take out the uh, you take out the Joker. So uh, two through ace, ace high, and just for fun, uh, you do a role playing where one person is the client, and you're the sales rep, and you put a card. Um, the sales rep puts a card on their forehead facing the client. Okay, from two to ace, two being really low status. Mm-hmm. And A, Ace being high status, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. top dog, CEO, tough as nails, you know, <laughs> uh, tough guy. And two being droopy the dog. Mm-hmm. And through a conversation, through a sales conversation, the sales rep tries to figure out what number they have on their head. Uh, so it's like the old poker game where you hold up the uh, the card, and it can be fun because you'll try to guess within. Oh, you're definitely you're you're definitely king. You're a king, <laughs> and he comes back. No, no, I'm an eight. You you totally misread me. So it's reading body language. It's reading, and even if you're doing role playing, it can be fun because a person can, it gets to act a little bit. They get to act a little weird, and maybe not themselves, and that could be a lot of fun. So that's that's teaching you how to read body language from your clients and it's a fun game to do in a in a in a sales training so yeah. those are a couple of no that's cool head. that's cool do right now i mean and also i mean people if you want ideas for for games you definitely can watch youtube um for tv replays of oh, shows yeah. like whose line is it anyway um and then figure out how to relate that into your um uh, into your sales team uh, my big takeaway uh, from this conversation clay is don't focus on being funny that that's not um that's really not right. natural um and so that's really not a focus I'm a big fan. I'd like to use props if, if they're available. Um, sometimes you have to make them uh, available. <laughs> uh, keep things fast-paced. Uh, maybe try some things uh, in advance. But here's the one big thing um, I could share, and I know you run across this uh, as well. Participation in this is absolutely key. My, this is what I do, and Clay, you might do it differently. 
asking for volunteers usually does not produce uh, the best results. Rather, what I try to do is either draw numbers, uh, rotate people through teams, um, try to get everybody uh, involved in some capacity to participate. Typically, when you ask for volunteers, you get people that probably they, they might need the skill, but they're probably decent at it already. And that's why they're volunteering, because they're comfortable. Um, the other thing I do is I, I have people work within their own group first before we ask them to work in front of the larger group. And the reason I do that is because they get a certain comfort level with their little group and then before they get in front of the entire group. Now, you might have a different thought on that. What's your thought on how do we get people to participate uh, in these games? Yeah, the first thing that I do is the 180 to you, unfortunately. No, um, it's uh, the first game we play is everybody up. So we do one with everybody. Now, you're not, you don't do it in front of, you're not, it depends on the size of the group. If there's 10, we do it in one. If it's 20, we do two groups of 10, but everybody's up doing the same, the same game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And no matter what game I choose, it's one that everybody participates. Okay, that makes sense. And the reason, and the reason for that is, I call it room energy. Got it. Which is, you know, the room is now crackling a little bit. We got things are things are happening. There's an energy in the room. Okay, everybody's laughing. Everybody's loose. And now we can either do another. And this is kind of my read. Either at that point I go, okay, these guys are ready to do another full team game, or time to break it down to just small groups. It's it's a total in the moment call on my part, and what I think is gonna be best mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. typically typically after the room's all a buzz i can kind of do whatever if, if everybody's up for it most people like to do another big game so we do another big one um sometimes i'll just play okay let's do a couple groups of four so really what i do is i get everybody up to start and then we go from there it's just kind of who's ever doing the sessions who's ever doing the workshop lead mm-hmm. kind of makes that call yeah it's all sense. about room energy and vibe yeah, and no. you can tell. And if you have a seven o'clock in the morning uh, <laughs> session, you know it's people want to sit down, and so you're like, okay, we got to do, you got to do some high energy stuff here to get the blood pumping and maybe pump them full of coffee or something. But yeah, yeah. Um, I've done those. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Start at, we're going to start at seven and we're going to end at seven. We're going to make it a fun day. I'm like, wow, you have no idea how tiring this is for your people and for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, as oh well. God. So, all right, well, cool. Yeah. So, you know, there's some ideas, friends, on if you want to try to do some of these things uh, on your own, I'd love to have uh, you give us a call and bring uh, Clay and myself in. Uh, we tag team a lot. I'll do core training, um, and then Clay will do the improv, or we can do improv all day or core training all day. A little combination of both uh, is, is usually uh, a lot more fun. So, hey, Clay, if you don't mind, um, one of our favorite parts of the, uh, of the program is our listener questions. Uh, would you be willing to stick around and give some uh, input on some of these listener questions? Of course. All right, cool. Excellent. We want to make sure you understand that we still sell today. A lot of trainers out there, a lot of national sort of, if you will, celebrity uh, trainers um, they haven't sold anything in years, and it's a really competitive environment today. Uh, it's tough. Um, us old guys, well, I mean, I'm only 45, but us, uh, some of you old guys out there, <laughs> you, um, you know, selling to millennials is a different, uh, it's a different game and things like that. But all right, listener question. Uh, number one, Mark uh, from Los Angeles um, says, my boss is a Nazi <laughs> about call oh, volume. Um, how, what are your feelings on call volume? Mark's point of this question is, I'd rather make less great calls than make 40 calls. 
Um, what's your opinion on that call volume question, Clay? And then I'll give uh, my two cents as well. Well, you may or may not agree, Ryan, but I would say in this day and age with the internet, your call volume isn't nearly as important as quality of call. So you can do research on companies now that you couldn't do back in the day. So if you have a if you have somebody that you you want to call the uh, ABC company, you look them up and you can find out who the important people are. Perhaps you can find out what they do. You can maybe find a need, uh, maybe assume a need they might have. I don't want to say it's not a numbers game because mm -hmm. obviously the more you call, sure. the better it is. Yep. But quality of call and the research you can do now is so much better. Yeah. Um, you know, Matt, I don't disagree with you. Uh, it is a math game. Sales has been and will probably always be a beautiful game of, of math. But the more relevant you are, the greater your chance of getting through with somebody. So, Mark, to answer your question, I don't think that we can throw call volume uh, to the wind. I would say, though, that call volume coupled with relevancy is when you begin to see a marked difference in the number of meetings that you have. To Clay's point, I spend considerable considerable amount of time, Mark, researching folks on LinkedIn, looking at their company Facebook page. I'm not a fan at all of the trainers that teach. You should go on someone's personal Instagram account, personal Facebook page, and start talking about their kid's soccer game. I think that's creepy. Um, and <laughs> millennials think it's creepy as well. I coach a lot of millennials that find that to be very, very odd. What I, was, what I work on a lot is being highly relevant to people that I'm calling on. So rather than calling on somebody and saying, hey, in my case, I'd like to talk to you about advertising, instead, I'm going to call and say, I'd like to speak with you about your XT200 model you're promoting on Facebook and how I can help you get that <clears throat> in front of more people, being highly relevant. Also, guess what their needs are, just like Clay did. Guess what somebody's needs uh, are so that you can try to be um, a lot more relevant. So don't go to your boss and say, hey, let's throw the call volume out. I think you still need a high call volume. I'm a big fan of a top 20 list. I think you should be calling on a minimum of four clients, a minimum a day, uh, every 72 hours to try to get a meeting with them. Um, and that's going to add up to be about eight to 10 a day. If you suck, you might need a big 50 list. Maybe you're calling on 10 to 15 a day. So call volume is important, but the relevancy um, is where I think we want to we want to be at any other thoughts on that before we move on to uh, Renee's question. I would say this. Do you, I don't know if this is something you, uh, you and I talked about this in the past, but sometimes what I do is I send an email ahead of my call mm -hmm. saying I will be calling you. Mm -hmm. So if you'd like to respond to this email instead, please do. But, uh, that's just one tactic I've used that's been successful. Yeah, you know, if you're not selling a product or service that requires necessarily face-to-face -face sales to explain it, people prefer email. A lot of people just don't like to be talking on the phone anymore. I'm a big phone guy, Clay. You know, I try to leave a lot of voicemails because I think it shares my charisma. But sending an email first is, you know, really the you know the polite way to go on it. All right, good question, Mark. All right, Renee from Buckhead, Atlanta, if you know the Atlanta area. Um, Renee's question, my boss uh, wants us to create PowerPoint presentations that we present during every meeting. I am not a fan of PowerPoints at all, but I am being told I have to use the PowerPoints. What are your thoughts? Um, you want to give that one a shot, Clay, or you want me to go first? <laughs> you, <laughs> you go first and I'll agree or disagree. That's, okay, that's cool. Fun. That sounds good. It would be no fun if you always agreed. It'd be no fun. That's right. That's okay, right. Renee, great question. Um, it's it's pretty common uh, for folks to want to put a, put together a slide deck. It's really really common. 
I am not the biggest fan of slide decks. However, however, I believe in visual storytelling. I think that visuals enhance the sale. Eighty-some percent of people are visual learners. Very few people learn just by hearing things. So I'm actually a fan of when I'm sharing success stories about clients I'm currently working with. I'm a big fan of either showing their logo. I'm a big fan of showing what they're doing, showing some type of picture. But I actually like to print things out. And I know that sounds old school, and I'm a pretty high-tech cat. But I like to print things out because um, I don't want to be passing iPads back and forth. Now, if I've been asked to come in and make a presentation, then I usually have some accompanying slides. But if it's more of a conversation that I've set up that I'm sort of controlling, I personally like to print some things out, uh, let them have it in their hand and look at it. And it works really, really well for me. Sometimes I find that technology is super distracting on a sales call. And so while I'm not a big fan of PowerPoints, I am a fan of visuals. And so I do believe you should have some type of visuals uh, in your in your conversation. Clay, uh, what say you on that? Well, I would say this. Um, if it's one-on-one, if it's just a, a couple people in the room, I think PowerPoints uh, can be effective. I have an issue with turning the lights off in an office in a room <laughs> because when you do that – Everybody sleeps, right? Um, and unless you have, you know, unless you have Rip Taylor uh, coming in and throwing confetti everywhere, that right. shows my age again. Um, the it, it just can be a little crazy. However, um, I do think there's a place for it, um, but I think the smaller the group, the better the PowerPoint. I'm I'm going to ask you this, Ryan. When you hand out the, this is something that I don't do. When I, I don't hand out the packet because what mm-hmm. I find is a lot of people forwarding through it. Sure. Yep. They're skipping slide. They're in like yep. they're on slide five, and I'm on mm-hmm. slide one. Yep. So that's just a preference. Um, but I agree pretty much with everything you were saying on that. But I just think the smaller the group, the more effective a PowerPoint can be. If you're in front of two people, yeah, it's fine. One word of caution on anything: if you're showing video or PowerPoint or anything visual like this, I try to make it a point to say, this is really short. Right. Because when you say, watch this video, I'm thinking I'm watching, you know, a 30 minute, you know, correct. I don't have time for that. Say, Mm -hmm. this is really short. I just want to show you this very quickly. Yeah. So the shorter the PowerPoint presentation, I think the better too. Absolutely. What I do when I've got say four pages, I give one page at a time because I want to control the conversation. I'm always, because, um, everybody says meet with the decision maker. Well, I, Okay, I mean, that'd be awesome. Um, if that was the case, I'd only have 50% less meetings. So I'm actually trying to equip um, the liaison to the fullest. So I try to keep, if I've got, uh, I try to keep things to three. If I can, I try to group things in three. It's always been a strategy of mine. And so I will hand them one thing at a time. If it's a large group, obviously, you, you know, you can't do that. Uh, the biggest thing for me, Renee, is visual storytelling usually works better, you know, usually. So um, if your boss wants you to use a PowerPoint, figure out a way to, uh, you know, to make it happen. And a lot of times, you know, bosses, managers are suggesting things, everybody, because it's based on a best practice that has worked time and time and time again. If you know that if you notice it's not working, I think that's a face to face to have with the manager and say, hey, I appreciate what you want us to do. Unfortunately, this is not working for me. Um, and then sometimes if they're not on the street selling, they've just they've gotten out of the game a little bit. And so I'm not saying you should lie to them, but maybe you massage their idea a little bit and uh, and try something different. Um, all right. Uh, good question, Renee. 
Uh, Terry, last question, Terry, from the uh, Dallas uh, Fort Worth, from the Metroplex. This is a question, uh, Clay, about texting. And I get this question actually quite a bit. And so I wanted to get your uh, opinion on it. I'm pretty sure I can mm-hmm. guess um, based on some of your comments. <laughs> the question from, <laughs> from, uh, from Terry is, my boss says that we should never, ever, 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 and I think there's about 15 evers uh, in this email, we should never, ever, <laughs> ever, ever text a client <laughs> under any circumstances. And um, if you don't mind, could I, let me give my thought and then you want to give yours. Is that cool? Sure. That's um, great. My thought is this, uh, Terry. My thought is that I don't text people that I haven't had some conversation with, and I don't necessarily need their permission to text them, but sort of there's an unwritten permission if someone says, hey, to follow up, give me a call on my cell phone. And when someone gives me their business card and it says sell on it, that usually means they're they're pretty public about it. But if I don't know somebody and I've never met with them, usually it's very rare that I would text them only maybe as a, as a last resort. But if I've met them and they said, Hey, follow up with my cell phone or whatever in that case, then I don't mind, then I don't mind texting, but it's not my go-to resource. And, uh, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily old or anything like that. Clay, what do you think about the texting of, of clients either before you know them, after you know them, what, what's your thought on that? In general, here's, here's what I would say. I think it's industry specific. And what I mean by that is in my industry, there's installations that happen and implementations that are going on. And there's problems that arise during installations. And sometimes they want to get a hold of their sales rep. And I will have my phone available. And sometimes they need to get me a message and they'll text me. Um, likewise, if there's something that my techs, my engineers need to know from the client immediately and I can't get a hold of them, I want their permission to be able to have them text or me text them. So that's okay. that's my industry. That's that's one aspect. Okay, but I always get permission from my end client that I'm able to text. Almost in every case, I can't think of a time if they've texted me without just right. texted me. Mm-hmm. That to me is permission to text them back. Right. Um, so I don't need to ask anything. So to me, it's a, it's a good practice to say you can reach me via text. If that's okay, I'd like to text you as well. If that's if that's okay, ninety nine percent of the time they'll say okay if they if they want to text you. So, yeah, I think I think that's it. But I think industry specific stuff too. Like mm-hmm. you need quick answers. You you it's tough to get somebody on the phone. It's tough to get them on email. Um, they know the the need for uh, efficiency on time. Um, it's a good. It depends on the industry, I suppose. But that's something I do. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Good questions, Mark. Renee, Terry, Clay, thanks for uh, thanks for chiming in on that. Mark, uh, Renee, yeah. Terry, if you would, uh, I'm going to reply back to your emails. We're going to send you a Sales Train World uh, t-shirt uh, for sending in your questions. Friends, if you got questions for the podcast, send them in to me, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-N is my last name. There's another Dorn out there, Ryan Dorn. Ryan at ryandorn.com, and we absolutely love uh, to uh, answer your listener questions. Uh, Clay, thanks for being on the show today, and I um, really appreciate it, and I look forward to uh, working and teaming up with you with uh, some of these groups uh, around uh, around the country, and I appreciate uh, that very, very much. Friends, that's the podcast for this month. We sure appreciate you. Thanks so much for stopping by. A big shout-out to our sponsor of the podcast this month, Open Look Business Solutions. They provide outsourcing solutions to help you reduce costs all across your business. Maybe you need telemarketing. Maybe you need somebody to do some data collection for you. Maybe you need somebody to clean up 
some data for you. Do design work or anything like that. Reach out to Mike, Brad, Kevin, and the fine folks uh, at Open Look Business Solutions. Their website is open-look.com. All right, friends, that's it. Check us out online at salestrainingworld.com. We'll see you on the next podcast. Remember, friends, if sales was easy, everybody be doing it. And they're not, so we're either crazy, <laughs> which is possible, <laughs> yeah. or, yes. or, or we found a career uh, that'll feed our families for a lifetime. All right, friends, God bless. We'll see you out in the street. Thanks so much, Clay. We appreciate it. You got it.